0: Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Well, I'm excited to be able to share today as we are jumping into a a brand new series. And, and I'm pumped about it. And it's a new series and we're going to be talking about marriage. And the, the series is titled One Plus One Equals One. One Plus One Equals One. And you're like, now listen, I'm no uh, mathematician, but I can, I can tell you that one plus one does not equal one. Well, it doesn't when we're thinking in our humanity. But what we're going to do during this series is we're going to look at God's equation for marriage. How God works things out and how God does, does something supernatural when we come together in marriage. See, God has something great in store for your marriage. And so, as we go through this, I want to ask you to open up your hearts and open up your minds. And if you're like, well, who is this for? Is it just for married people? What well, is for married people? And hopefully, you, you're, if you're married today, you never get to the place where you think you don't have anything else to learn. If you do, you really need to listen in on this. Uh, maybe you're thinking, one day I would like to get married. Well, this is for you as well. Maybe you know someone that's married. Maybe that's all of us. Then you, I would encourage you, ask them to li- go check out the 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 messages in this series i promise it will be a blessing to them and help them and let me encourage you with this if you're not married just ask them to go watch the message don't try to give them marriage advice amen it's kind of like when you're a parent and someone that's not a parent tries to give you uh, parental advice yeah you envision yourself slapping them across the face and be like come talk to me when you have kids you have no clue what you're talking about but uh but you can all do this. We can all pass along what we learn and point people to this direction. So this is for us today. I am ready for it. I love talking about marriage. And, I mean, we're going to have fun today. We are going to have fun today. I'm going to try to keep it on the straight and narrow and, um, and watch what I say. So if you would, stand to your feet this morning as we read God's Word together. And we're going to read a scripture, an overarching scripture for this series and give some explanation to the, the title of the series. And this is in uh, Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to read this together. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And this is Jesus, and he's, he's speaking, and he's talking about marriage. And here's what he says. He says, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Amen. Amen. If you look at that word united, maybe you've heard of that word as cleave, and it actually means glued together. Glued together. Like I mean, this is serious business. You're being stuck together in a way spiritually that if, if you were to be pulled apart, it leaves residue. So this is pulled together. And that's what happens in marriage. We supernaturally become one. So as we go into this series, we're going to be talking about one plus one equals one. But today, and I I know it's going to sound a little contradictory, but it's not. For today's message, we're kind of sticking with the uh, equation theme a little bit. Today's message is actually two is greater than one. You're like, you lost me. Don't worry, we'll get there. So today is two is better than one. If If I had to say another title possibly for the message, it'd be better together. Amen. If you are married today, look at your spouse and say, we're better together. All right, I love it. You're confessing positively. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for the sanctity of marriage that you orchestrated, you brought about, you created. I pray our hearts would be open, that God, if we're in the middle of marriage, we would dream about how we continue to grow in that marriage and be healthy. Lord, if we're looking forward to marriage, I pray that we would see that you have a great marriage in store for us. Lord, I love you so much. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can have a seat this morning. Um, so I have been so pumped about this. I'll just tell you, I love talking about marriage. And uh, you know, when when, so- when you when you notice something is good, you want to share it. We all take notice when something is good. Now, I know there hasn't been a lot of great movies come out lately, but, you know, if you see, if you see just this awesome movie, and like, you're like, oh, it's just, the, it's just the best movie ever, when you're telling people about it, you're like, hey, you got to go see this movie because it's so, what? Good. Everybody say good. Yeah, you tell them, you get all excited about it. If you if you there's a team out there like a sports team or or like maybe if you can remember back when the greatest player that ever played basketball not LeBron James but Michael Jordan was playing, LeBron James is just a, is a sad substitute. But like if you're a big fan, that's okay, that's okay. We we'll pray that God will open your eyes today. No, but you you watch a team that's so amazing and you're like, that's the best team I've ever seen. So when you go tell someone you you got to go check out this team. They're so Good. Good. Exactly. Yes. Um, so Shelly, you'll see that Shelly and I are creatures of habit. Well, honestly, I'm a creature of habit. Shelly can go with the flow. So she balances me really well, but I like this, this routine and I don't like to get out of my routine. I'm like kind of stuck in my routine. And so on Saturday mornings, we have this routine. I get up, I spend some time in prayer. Um, and then, and then, then Shelly gets up. She's probably prayed in, in, in the bedroom and, um, and then we we go to do, get a little cardio in, and you're like, oh, you're good, you're exercising. Well, it's pu- just purely so that we can go eat afterwards, and I don't feel as bad. And then we go over to the bagel place. I don't know if you've been to the bagel place, but it's delicious. And so we go to the bagel place. I, we have the same thing we usually order. The bagel place is is delicious, and but this, there's many reasons why it's good, but the uh the thing that I just think is like, this is, this is wow. They, they, you know, they do all their own little, uh, uh, cream cheese and it's all, it's whipped. It's whipped. It's like the, it's like air from, uh, the, this is the air I breathe. <laughs> you know, it's got that, it's, it <laughs> and then they, and they got, you know, honey, almond, uh, chocolate chip. I mean, uh, uh, strawberry. I mean, it's, it's just so good. It's so good. That's right. We go there cause it's so good. And um, so we take notice of these things. Well, if we look at the creation story, and we're going like to Genesis today, if we look at the creation story, uh, we see in the creation story that God himself saw that things were good. It references this many times from day one through day six as he would create something. And uh, five times it mentions that God has said that he would create this and that, and he saw that it was good. So God would make these things, and and also if you if you've re- read in the creation story, um, it doesn't say God just God made man in His image. He said, "Let us make man in our image," speaking to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I just I just could see them just hanging out and like you know it says He gave the light to govern the day and the light to govern the night. Can you see God look at look at the, the Jesus and the Holy Spirit like man? That's so good. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, that's right. You were good, God. Well, thank you. You were good, God. Awesome. And, um, and so he saw that these things were good. But then we come to a place where actually that he saw that something was not good. He, he saw that something was not good. He noticed that something there was not good, or actually not something there, something that was missing. See, God didn't look at what he had created and say that it wasn't good, he noticed that there was something else that he wanted to add. It's kind of like when you order, I know I'm talking about food a lot this morning. I must be hungry. Um, but it's like when you order eggs. I mean, the eggs are are good, but it's not good that they're alone. They need some bacon. Someone say amen. It goes up to a level. Or some sausage, whichever one you are. That's fine. Uh, we're equal meat opportunity around here. Ham. I don't care, you know. And, uh. And so he saw that something was not good, and he wanted to address that. So in Genesis two eighteen, I want to read this, this verse out of the Amplified. Here's what happens. Said so, now the Lord God said, "It is not good or beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him." Oh man, this is good. God created the relationship of marriage he created the relationship the relationship between a husband and a and a wife and as you read this you see he creates it so that it can be a benefit not just to one another but to the world he created it with purpose he created it with intentionality he created it with balance it's almost like he knew what he was doing so what i want us to understand today is that marriage should be amazing I want you to get this in your mind. I want you to get this in your heart. I don't know, maybe you're in the middle of marriage and you think this isn't what I thought it would be. I want you to know that it is supposed to be amazing. Maybe you're not married yet, but you're looking forward to marriage. But the only marriage that you've ever seen is one that has been broken, hurt, full of pain. I want you to know that's not what God has in store for you. He has an amazing marriage in store for you. I want this to settle in your spirit and in your heart. I know it doesn't always come out that way. I know that we ha- we're humans and things get in the way, but that still doesn't take place that God has meant for your marriage to be awesome, fulfilling, amazing. If you're about to get married and someone's like, man, I don't know, it's a lot of hard work, Whew, hope you make it through. It is some hard work, but that don't listen to them. Get around someone that says, let me tell you, our marriage is awesome. Hey, I love it. I love my wife. She's the best thing that God's ever brought into my life. And the wife said, he's the best thing that God's ever brought into my life. Come on, marriage is supposed to be good. Amen. I hope you got that this morning because that's how I feel about it. And so let me go on and read. Here's some more in NIV, Genesis 2, 19 through 24. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. I'm sorry. You know, I told you I'm going to stay on track today. I don't know why in the world when I just read that I thought of a McRib. I really did. I don't, I don't think of that. Women is that way. I, but anyway, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Come on. Woo! You know. Hey, you know. Adam was like, yes, Lord. I don't know what I'm even looking at, but I like it. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying. For she was taken out of men. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Maybe some of us need to leave. That is why they leave his father and his mother, cut the strings, and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. So I love that God said no suitable helper was found. Now, Adam was hanging out with the animals. He was naming all the livestock. I've heard it said that dog is a man's best friend, and you may have an awesome dog that goes places with you, but it's not a helper that's suitable for you. Okay, just want to clarify that. God created the marriage for us to be better together. Marriage is designed by God, and as we see here, then we see in Matthew when we read what Jesus said, Jesus echoed the same thing, the design that God had made, okay? And so this can only be achieved, this marriage, the way God intended for marriage to be and what marriage really is, can only be achieved when a man and a woman come together in covenant with God. Everything else is an imposter, okay? Can I get an amen? Amen. So it can only be achieved when a man and a woman come together in covenant with God. Now, you may be sitting here today and you're like, maybe you're a loner. And you're like, the only relationship I need, Pastor Scotty, is Jesus. It's me and Jesus till the end. Well, that's awesome. I'm thankful that you have that type of relationship with Jesus. Now, listen, I'm not even saying that you should get married or that you need to get married. You can go read where the Apostle Paul addresses that in the epistles. Go look that up. But I want you to know this, every person, every single person is designed to connect in relationships. Every single you said I'm an introvert, you're still designed to connect in relationships. First to connect in a relationship with Jesus, second to connect in a relationship with others. It's the it's don't take my word for it, take the the word of God for it. If you think about it when When God declared that it was not good for Adam to be alone, he wasn't alone. When God said this, Adam was with the animals. When God said this, who else was around? God was around. God was around Adam when he said it's not good for Adam to be alone. So it's obvious that God is speaking about the need for a relationship with other human beings. He's talking about this. Jesus came to earth. He could have done all the work that he did all by himself. He was God, and, and he was also human living this thing out. But what did he do? He chose disciples to partner with. When they, when they, in Matthew, when they questioned him about what is the first and greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbors yourself. So he's talking about loving God, loving people. When we go read in Corinthians, the whole body of Christ is dependent on Jesus and one another. Listen, we are built for relationships and they can have such power. But out of all the relationships here on earth, marriage should be the most powerful human relationship that we encounter. Amen. Marriage should be the most powerful human relationship that we encounter, but it takes intentionality. It takes, it doesn't just happen. It takes us working on it. I don't know if you've ever heard of if then statements. Sometimes they're used in math or in equations or, or things of that nature. Like, if you do this, then this will happen. That's an if then statement. If you stare straight into the sun, then you will go blind. You know, when you remember telling your kids, or maybe you were told when you were a kid, if you st- keep making that face, then it will stick that way? A lie don't lie. You liars. We're parents. We're liars, aren't we? I mean, I remember when Shelly and I used to, the kids would, were little and they'd go to bed and then one of us would go to Brahms and get ice cream and the kid would get up and come walking in there. What do you have? Oh, nothing. And then you're holding it on the side of the, I have nothing. But there's these if-then statements that we have and these are conditional statements. In the biblical view of marriage, the title for this series it's not a conditional statement, one plus one equals one. We believe, I truly believe the Word of God teaches that when, you be, when you're married and you take these covenants and you consummate your marriage, that you become one supernaturally. There is a connection that takes place. There's no, con, there, I don't believe it's conditional. I believe that this, this happens. But when we're talking about two being greater than one, this, this principle, then I believe it's built upon conditions, and, and so I want to give you some conditions today, and, I'm, and I've summed them up, and I'm going to go through each one of them. I want to give you some conditions for this type of marriage, this two greater than one marriage. So here's my statement. Now, this is lengthy, but I'll, I'll say it a couple times. If you choose the right one at the right time for the right reason with the right attitude, then your marriage will live out the two greater than one principle. Okay, and I'm going to go through all these. If you choose the right one at the right time for the right reason with the right attitude, then your marriage will live out the two greater than one principle. All right? Our marriage is supposed to be powerful. So let's break these four things down. If you're a a point person, it's your lucky day. I got points. Number one is the right one. Is the right one. Okay, so... So there's this there's this young guy, and he's he he's met this he's met this girl. She's just amazing, and he thinks I think I think she's the one, I think she's the one. So he they're having this family dinner, and and he he invites her over to come meet all the family, and and uh, and so he t- tells his grandpa. He goes, man, grandpa, I think this this lady could be the right one, but I want I want I want to know what you have to say about it. So they're all sitting around. And she shows up, and she walks in, and she's got on this white suit, and it's got a little mask on it. This white suit, it's got this little mask on it, and she's got these she's got these little these bees all buzzing around her. And then and then she and she smells like honey. Honey's kind of dripping off. And as grandpa looks at him, he said, "I think she's a keeper." <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I I, did, I thought I had to share there this morning. Um, <laughs> when we're talking when we're talking about the right one uh, it's it's so interesting to me we we do premarital counseling and we've done a lot of premarital counseling now over the years and we use this assessment and this assessment they go the, they go fill it out and and then it comes back with all these different things about their personality and all this stuff and it has to start out it gives you their their attitude about marriage like what their attitude is about marriage. And it has these five R's. It's resolute, rational, restless, reluctant. And then you have the romantic. So it gives a little profile on each of them. So the romantic is that hopeless romantic you know, they think every day is just going to be, this is awesome, we're in love. Every day we're going to wake up and look at each other's face, and little birds are going to be flying around. It doesn't talk about the stanky breath that hits you in the morning when you look at each other. It doesn't go into all the reality. They just know and they believe that they have found their soulmate. This is, the, this is the person. This is magical. And you're like, well, Pastor Scotty, don't you believe in soulmates? Well, maybe not in the way that many other people do. The dictionary actually defines soulmate. Now, this is going to be crushing for those of you that, you know, are this hopeless romantic. The dictionary actually defines soulmate as a person with whom one has a strong affinity, shared values and taste, and often a romantic bond. So, you know, that just described a lot of us at a lot of times with a lot of people. And so, you're like, that doesn't sound as, 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 uh, you know, mystical as a soulmate. You're just like, well, but didn't God create just this soulmate just for me, this one person? Well, I don't really believe that that's what Scripture shows us. I don't believe that's the case. Can God bring a person into your life that you end up marrying that he has orchestrated? Absolutely. God works that way. He orchestrates things that way. We look at throughout the Old Testament. That happened quite often, and it can happen in you, but But here's what, we get things backwards. We say, God gave me my soulmate, now we're going to get married. But the truth is, God could bring someone awesome in your life, and when you get married, they become your soulmate. Do you see what I'm saying? Because there's something that takes place. When you marry the person, you make a covenant, and and you, you, you come together as one, then God creates that tie between you. Now, here's the, when we think of soulmate, too, with the fact that, that uh, I find my soulmate first, then I get married. Here's what happens. Here's the problem with that. Is that so often when that happens, people then get in the middle of marriage. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. They were not ready for this. So then they start thinking, this probably wasn't my soulmate. I'm going to go find my soulmate. No, when you get together in marriage, they become your soulmate. I understand things happen. I understand that, that, that uh, divorce happens. I get that. I'm not here to, to get into the weeds on that or even to ridicule. But I just know you can come to God, give your heart to Him. And I'm telling you, though, when you get married and you do this, there is a connection that takes place. And even if God did bring someone into your life, that doesn't mean you throw all godly wisdom out the window in how you think about proceeding with marriage. Or if you don't have someone right now, uh, you should have some wisdom as you are evaluating people and if that's the person God wants you to marry. Can I get an amen? Amen. We don't have to act stupid just because we think we love somebody. Mm -hmm. Just practically, practically choosing the right one. If you are a Christian, let me give you the number one thing. They should also be a Christian. Oh, you don't know, Pastor Scott. I'm going to win them to the Lord. Well, how about let someone else win them to the Lord, and then you would be like, oh, now we can talk. Now we can have this conversation. Shouldn't it just be? Now, can it work out? It can, but it often doesn't. Even if you're not a Christian, you should at least look for someone that's kind, And someone that's caring. Amen? Another thing, just practical wisdom. Just remember, they're not a project. Don't marry thinking, I'm going to whip them into shape. Once we get married, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because you're going to be beating your head against the wall. You have to look at them and think, if they never change, I love them the way that they are. Now, hopefully they will. God will shape them and they'll let God move in their life. But it's not your, it's not your job to change them. It's God's job. Your job is to love them. Amen. Now, God might give you some insight in here and there, but that's the, that's the right one. Amen? Number two, at the right time. So the right one at the right time. Timing is everything. Statistics will tell you. That if you are 25 years or older, when you get married, the chances of a healthy marriage greatly increase. 25 years old or older, when you get married, your chances of a healthy marriage greatly increase. Now, I'm not saying that if you married before then, it can't work out. Shelly was 18. I was 19 when we got married. And overall, our marriage has been awesome. It has been a great marriage. But can I tell you, statistics don't show that. It actually shows the younger you get married, the less chance of success you have. There's a lot of changing, a lot of things that take place. So I would encourage you, think about that. Think about those things and evaluating the right time. And then I want to, I'm trying to help you get practical here too. Some practical things you can look at. How are your finances? I know that's crazy. You're like, oh, why would I look at finances? That doesn't sound very romantic. Because finances are a big deal when you get married. Okay, I can see this is popular. Uh, Your personal maturity level. Usually the woman's way more mature than the man. Okay, that's just, I'm just saying that's good. Amen, yes. Uh, Do you actually have a place to live? I know it can work out without it, but that's also a very good... You should be able to run around the house with your clothes off when you're first married. Yeah, can I get a, hey man. I'm just telling you, and it's awkward if you're living at your parents' house doing that. And your parents don't want to be doing that either. Oh my gosh, all kind of dysfunction. Those are just like, this. think through things. Um, And then the greatest thing you can do about the right time is ask God. What is the season God has you in? Maybe God is doing something with you as a, as a single individual. Maybe you're traveling places and maybe you're doing things and, and it's just a season where God's growing you and, and it may just not be the right time. Let God lead you and direct you. So you have the, the right person at the right time. And number three, the right reason. The right reason. So if I ask you, why do you want to get married? Or why are you married? We're in, we're in love. Pastor Scotty, we're in love. Give me a really good reason, though. You're like, no, that is a good reason. No, it's not because there's days where you won't feel like you're in love. It's not just this feeling. It's more than an emotion. Amen? It's a choice. And some of us aren't mature enough to make the choice when we're frustrated with each other, where we really don't even want to see each other to still love the right way. Come on. I'm telling you, this will help you. How about you start asking yourself, can we love Jesus together? How about asking the question, you want to know the right reason? Yes, I can see myself with this person building a life together, that we can be better together. These are things that can help shape and direct us and let God lead us. There's purpose. God has purpose for you and has purpose for your marriage. Let those be the things that help shape your decision. Now I can tell you some some reasons you shouldn't get married. Okay? Let me tell you some reasons you shouldn't get married. First, you shouldn't get married just so that you can have sex. You're like, "But Pastor Scotty, I'm burning with passion. I'm a lover, not a fighter." My biological clock is ticking. These are not reasons to get married. I'm telling you, you're going to be sorely disappointed if that's what you're looking to. Another, I'm lonely. They, that person, I can just tell you already, they will complete me. No, I don't care what Jerry Maguire says. They are not going to complete you. Jesus is the only one that can complete you. If you're feeling lonely and empty, even when you go into marriage, you'll be surprised to find out that you can still feel lonely and empty if you're depending on them. To fulfill you. Because it's only Jesus. Jesus is the only one. I mean, we see it all the time. Uh, another one, you said, it, what makes sense financially? Well, I'm, I'm glad that is a good thing, but that can't be your only reason for marriage. Uh, to get my parents off my back. I'm tired of my mom asking, me, when are you going to have me a grandbaby? That's, you know that, these, are, these are signs that you're probably not ready yet if that's the only thing you're taking in. Those aren't the right reasons. Let God direct you and let God confirm it in your heart. Can I get an amen? All right, man. The right one, the right time, the right reason. And fourth, the right attitude. The right attitude. What is the right attitude for marriage and what is the right attitude in marriage? Our marriage attitude should be to put his kingdom first. And that our marriage would be a reflection of Jesus to those around us. You're like, I don't know if my marriage can be that. Your marriage can be that. Matthew 6, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Put him first in your marriage. Ephesians 5, 29 through 33, in the, the message, it talks about this reflection of Christ. It said, no one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, so I don't I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church, and this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Your marriage is to be a picture of Jesus Christ and the bride. Your marriage is to be kingdom-focused, with purpose and I'm telling you your marriage can be that very way next week pastor David is going to preach about partners in purpose and I'm telling you it's going to be so awesome you don't want to miss it partners in purpose is going to be so important I can tell you that a marriage built with a kingdom attitude produces a healthy attitude in you why because as we put God's kingdom first there's things produced in our life. He takes care of these things. It's a promise from God. and when you as in the marriage have his kingdom first, you'll be surprised at the attitude that, that changes in you. Why? Because you'll start thinking, I'm actually here to serve my spouse. We're selfish by nature, so we often think marriage is going to be my, my spouse serving me, serving me in bread. i mean, in bed every day bringing food. I can't wait for it. <laughs> You're in trouble because you are to serve one another. That's what Christ did. Christ came to serve, not to be served, amen? When we have a kingdom attitude, then we're like, we're kind, we're loving, we're carrying the fruit of the Spirit. Actually, you should actually evaluate, am I loving my spouse out of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, flowing out of my spirit. In that type of marriage, you see yourself as equals working together because you're working toward the purpose of God, lifting one another up, encouraging one another, dreaming together, helping one another because you're you're stronger together. That's what God meant for it to look like. God wants your marriage to be that way. God wants your marriage to be strong like that. And maybe today you're like... You see, it seems like a lot of these things are like how you prepare. What if I'm in the middle of marriage and it's not like what you're saying? What if my marriage doesn't look like what you're describing or or I know people that their marriage doesn't look like? What if what if actually when we're together there's more frustration than joy? I say this because I remember when Shelly and I were first married and just young, young, young in the ministry, and we would, I I was very idealistic, and I thought pretty much every marriage was just awesome. And then we begin to talk to couples, and they had frustrations and hurts and pains. And another couple, frustrations and hurts and pains. But I want to tell you, that's not what God has in store for you. And God can heal, and God can... Me- it's never too late to course correct and allow God to do something amazing in your marriage, to become kingdom focused, to have purpose. It's never too late, because what God asks from us is that we would just surrender our heart to Him. Because He's a redeeming God. He can redeem you, and He can redeem redeem your marriage he can do it in an instant as we surrender ourselves over to him are we willing to lay down what we thought and make sure we're picking up what God thinks he can do it he can do it I want marriages that are healthy that are whole that are fulfilling as you're like how do I do it if we're in the middle of this how do we do this you want to know about the right spouse begin to go to God and proclaim that who he has given you is the right spouse You're like, yeah, but you don't know their issues. No, but I know every one of us has issues. So I know they probably don't have more issues than you have. Would you be willing to go to God in prayer and say, God, show me the beauty of my wife? Come on. God, show me uh, how amazing my husband is. Let me see the good things about them. Let me see how you created them. God, may I not see them just in my own hurts and pains, but may I see them through your eyes, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, change the way that I think. Change the way that I address them. Change the way that I talk to them. You'll be surprised how they'll become back to the right spouse. You'll be surprised how you begin to see them differently. No longer will you think it's the person you have to spend your life with, but you begin to say, this is the person I get to spend my life with. God has blessed me. Hang around people that have the vision for a healthy marriage. Let them rub off on you. Get away from the people that are complaining all the time about their marriage. Let God speak to you. You want to know about the season that you're in? I encourage you to embrace the season that you're in, embrace the season that God has you in. If you're in marriage and you have little ones and things are difficult and you're running around like chicken with your heads cut off, you you don't know what to, you don't get no sleep, you don't get this. Can I just tell you, take appreciate the time because they grow so fast. It's the season that you're in. I know now that we're grandparents, I look back and think. I should have cherished that moment just a little longer I should have got up with them a little more I should have done this and so just enjoy it if you don't have kids and they're out of the house now thank God thank God If if you're like so worried what are we going to do when the kids go that's all we've done you better begin to change that that's your best friend Begin to have conversations. Begin to talk and pick up stuff together. Because though your kids are awesome, when they leave, it can still be great. You enter into this new season. So begin to embrace the season that God has you in in your marriage. Make it the best season. You can do it. You're like... You're like, well, I don't know. You know, is this the right time? It is the right time. God will direct you in that. God will lead you. The right time is now because you got married. Trust God for it. God can bring these things around when you're in the the reason and you're wondering about it. You're like, my marriage is rocky. It's been difficult. Well, can I tell you that God will use that to help other people? Because other people are like, show me. I need someone that's went through this, someone that's faced it. God will use you in a mighty way to speak life. And then about your attitude, if you're in the middle of it, what happened to us if we're Christians? What happened to us going before God and saying, search me, oh God. Know my heart. What needs to change in me? How does my mind and my thinking need to be transformed? I know within our marriage, I can, I can I no telling how many times, I can't even count them. That I have thought Shelly needed an attitude adjustment. Thank God I was smart enough not to tell her that. And I'd go to God. And before I'd ever talk to Shelly about it, I'd say, God, what's, what's going on here? Is this me? My attitude was off. My attitude was wrong. I wasn't speaking life over her. I wasn't... Loving her as Christ had loved the church. I wasn't, I didn't have the right attitude. I needed a heart check. And when I got into the presence of God, he could change my mind and renew it, and I could think things the right way. The power of two people in marriage, going to God as individuals, allowing him to speak to their heart and then coming together supernaturally. Take a look at what you're feeding your spirit and what you're feeding your mind and and, and what's going on in your heart when it comes to marriage. Ask God what he thinks. Ask a friend that you can trust what your attitude's like. And then if you want to get real vulnerable, ask your spouse and your kids how you're doing. Just ask them. You're like, hold on a second. No, it's it's not easy. But you're showing that I want to have the right attitude. In all these things, I would encourage you today to not forget, as we said at the very beginning, that that you're built for relationships. Our vision is to connect, connect to God, and connect to the body of Christ. I hope today that the first person you would connect to about your marriage is Jesus. But then I also hope that you would connect with other people that could help you along the journey. If you're thinking about marriage, get around a mentor couple, get about, around someone to do premarital counseling, open up your heart, let them speak life to you. If you're in the middle of marriage and you're like, I don't really know where to go, what to do, find a mentor, find someone you're like, hey man, I love the way you are. You treat your wife and you treat your children. I want to be like that. Seek, count, seek counseling. Don't do this alone because in the midst of this, people can speak life and can help you be who God wants you to be. Amen. I want to remind you today that your marriage is not meant to be two strong people doing their own thing. It's meant to be two people unified together in God doing his thing. That's what God has in store for you. Would you just go to him and would you open up your heart? Let's pray this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for marriage. I'm thankful for my wife. For our family, and for your legacy. It's because of you, Jesus. You deserve all the praise, you deserve all the glory. Thank you for allowing us to live intentionally for you, for bringing people into our life. And I pray today for marriages in this place. God, I pray that they would see that you have purpose and calling. You want to use them in a mighty way, God. And I pray they would surrender their hearts to you. I pray for those that have never seen a healthy marriage, that they would begin to allow you to reshape their thinking. They will not do this on their own, but God, they will connect with other healthy marriages, with other healthy people, and there will be a change. God, literally, they will change their family tree, Lord, where maybe there's been unhealthy marriages. No more, God. They will have a a healthy marriage, a healthy life. There'll be legacy, God, passed down from generation to generation. God, they'll be healed and mended by the power of Jesus Christ. We thank you. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I I want to give you the opportunity to just make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. It's a decision that you say, I'm going to give my all to Him. I want to make Him the Lord of my life. I need a Savior. The Bible tells us if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That means you confess Him as the Lord. That means you say, you're the Lord of my life now. I live for you, not for myself. It means you truly believe that He not only died for you, that He rose again. He is Jesus Christ. He is the one true God, the only way to heaven. He wants to have a relationship with you. All your problems won't be solved, but I promise you, He'll walk with you through every single one of them. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ today, I'm going to say a prayer. And as I say that prayer, I'm just going to ask that you would pray it with me. And as you pray that prayer and you surrender your life to Jesus, there's a miracle that takes place. It says you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. So I want to ask that you would repeat that after me. We're going to all do this together, church. So if you'd repeat after me, say, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. I need you as my Savior. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God this morning together? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.